Hello and welcome back to Shamelessly Unapologetic with me, your host, Alana Pinsky. So I'm going to be winging this episode. I got no script in front of me, but this episode is basically unapologetically being a YouTuber and also sharing way too much online because as you know, I'm the queen of oversharing. So I think what I'm going to do with this episode today is to kind of tell you a little bit backstory of my YouTube channel. I've touched a little bit more about it in one video that I did on my actual channel, but I wanted to talk a little bit more about just why I am the way I am on YouTube, why I talk about the stuff that I talk about on YouTube maybe address a little bit of some of the drama that's been happening on YouTube with other creators, like big name creators. I hope I don't forget it because sometimes I tend to have this tendency where I will bring up something in a podcast episode and then I completely forget to talk about it. Oops. So I just wanted to share my thoughts on what it's like being a YouTuber in general, things that I have just kind of learned and Yeah, I think we'll just kind of go on from there. When I started YouTube, it was in 2017, but I knew that I really, really wanted to start a channel in 2016, but I had a lot of fear and doubt and a lot of imposter syndrome because what I wanted to do originally was a beauty channel. I got really into makeup right before I moved to San Francisco. I started to learn how to contour, highlight my face, put in fake eyelashes, play with eyeshadow more. I never did any of that, not in grad school, not in college. So I fell down the YouTube rabbit hole of beauty YouTubers. The YouTubers that I mostly watched when I first got started watching beauty YouTube was Manny MUA, Laura Lee, Kathleen Lights, and Jacqueline Hill. And I was just addicted. I would watch more and more and more videos and just wanted to learn more about just how to do makeup, what makeup products should I be buying. And once I consumed too much YouTube, I was like, I want to do a beauty YouTube channel. I want to be just like them. (laughs) Little did I know that starting a beauty YouTube channel is incredibly hard. So, so, so hard. And not to mention that the beauty niche is incredibly, incredibly saturated. And in order to even do a beauty YouTube channel, you really have to make yourself stand out. And that's why it's really important to get niche specific. So eventually, I attended my first beauty convention, and that was Generation Beauty in 2017. I received a ton of free makeup. I met a couple of creators. I actually got to meet Manny, which was really exciting. And I also met Patrick Starr. So that was so fun to meet both of them and to get all of this free product. It was insane. I went with a friend of mine and oh my God, it was just such a good time. And it was all in San Francisco and it was just, it was the best weekend ever. So after that weekend, I knew Okay, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to upload my first YouTube video and I wanted to do a Generation Beauty haul because it was a recent event. I thought maybe it would kind of be trending in the beauty community. So I thought that would be a good time to make that video and also make it my first video. And just so we're clear, that video is horrible. 
absolutely cringeworthy. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> and if you look at that video on my channel, it's still up. You will literally see that my channel first started off literally as everybody starts somewhere. So I wanted to do a YouTube channel that focused on cruelty-free beauty, but I absolutely had no direction in what I was doing. And I would make videos about stitch fix unboxings. I would do hair extension videos. I would do eyeshadow tutorials. It was just so random that it wasn't even becoming like a beauty makeup channel. It was like beauty fashion lifestyle. And there's way too many of those channels that all pretty much do the same exact thing. So I think I was just kind of all over the place with my channel for almost a whole year, maybe a little over a year, I should say. And it wasn't until August 2018 so literally right at the one year mark, I decided to invest in a YouTube business coach and I wanted to sign up for a boot camp that she was doing for women who have YouTube channels and they were looking to grow and really improve their YouTube channels. So I signed up, I upfronted all the money that I could to make this happen and I'm so glad that I invested in it. I actually heard about her YouTube boot camp because she does have a podcast called the YouTube Power Hour. It's such a great podcast. She interviews YouTubers and she learns more about their journeys and how they grew. And she gives a lot of actionable advice and tips on how you can get started with YouTube today. All free stuff. And then she'll always promote her boot camp in her podcast in case you want to sign up on the waitlist and get into it. As you can hear my cat meowing, what a surprise. I can never have peace and quiet when I film or record. <laughs> anyway, so I did that and I actually did her boot camp twice. But what was great is because I did it the first time, I got this special discount and I could do it again for a cheaper cost and do it monthly. So I did her boot camp twice. So the first time I did it, I decided to niche down to videos on San Francisco and just being a single girl. I was able to really think and dig deep into what I wanted to do with my YouTube channel. And I thought to myself, well, I live in San Francisco. I absolutely love living in San Francisco. It'd be really cool to make videos about that. But I'm also single. And I love talking about dating and boys and things that I've learned when I've gone on dates with boys. That could also be a really fun niche to talk about. So I thought, why not make videos about being a single girl and videos on San Francisco? So I was going to have like two niches. But little did I know, I could tie these two niches together. So it could be life and dating in San Francisco. But that didn't really become official until 2020. So from 2018 to pretty much almost the end of 2019, I honestly focused more videos on what it was like to just be a single girl navigating the dating world. I shared a lot of stories about dates that I went on. I shared about how my ex broke up with me. I talked about guys who broke my heart that weren't my ex. I talked about like dating advice that I've received, just a, a lot of stuff. It's on my channel. I will say those videos are not exactly the best, but I will say the information in them is 
I personally think quite entertaining. The thumbnails could have obviously been improved, but I want to say that I gave a lot of good advice when it came to just being single. And I always try to disclaim that I'm not a dating coach. I'm not an expert, but I will say I do have a master's degree in family sciences. So I did study a lot on families and relationships and love and marriage. So that also did inspire me a little bit to make a YouTube channel on that because I did feel like I had some sort of qualification to talk about it because I had the degree, but I'm not a therapist or anything like that. But that's what made me comfortable enough to want to go ahead and talk about dating while being single. It's a really fun topic to talk about. So I did that. And then when I did the boot camp again, basically I realized that the single girl videos were not as successful as I thought that they were going to be. And my channel was still growing at a very slow pace. Now, I will say more and more target audience members were trickling in, but very, very slowly. And it wasn't until towards the end of 2019 when I realized, what if I just do videos about San Francisco and then focus more on my dating and love life once a month? So... I changed my thumbnail strategy towards the end of 2019 and I started to kind of just shift the direction of my channel ever so slightly so it wasn't a drastic change and then I started to get the results that I wanted to see and I think fine-tuning that and studying my analytics really helped me get my channel to almost a thousand subscribers. So I am very, very, very close to 900 subscribers. I have around 892. And I'm pretty sure by the end of this month, I will have 900. And then once I hit that 900 mark, oh my God, I know that is going to be the most drag of a growing period on my YouTube channel ever because it's only going to be a hundred more left until I finally have 1,000 true fans. And I have worked so hard, y'all. And I don't know how I'm going to react once I hit that milestone of a thousand subscribers because I know I'm going to hit it. I think May is when it's going to happen. But you best believe that I'm going to make a whole YouTube video just dedicated to that and sharing more about my journey. I may repeat some of the information that I've shared in this podcast episode, but I've, I've worked really hard to get to where I needed to be. I love YouTube so much. I feel like it has really, really changed my life. Um, YouTube is a trial and error process. It's incredibly hard. I think for me, that's one of the biggest things that I've learned from being on YouTube is the fact that you really need to understand how the algorithm works. You need to understand how people are using the platform, what audience retention means, what click-through rate means, all of that stuff. And once I was able to kind of study the analytics, 
again, that is where I started to see the people that I wanted as my target audience to come in. I think for me, another thing when it comes to a YouTube channel is I had to understand what my why was. Aside from just picking out a really good niche, I needed to be present with my audience and to really connect with them. And the way that you connect with your audience is by having a why. The why is super important to have or else people won't subscribe to you. Your why is what keeps you motivated to keep making videos, even when it can feel super duper discouraging. There have been so many times where I wasn't growing for months, but I kept making videos. I said, this will pay off. Just keep going. And I had to learn my mistakes and correct them. I can tell you what my why is. So my why on YouTube is to inspire others to discover themselves so that they can unapologetically live their best bold life. If you haven't watched any of my videos, I mean, after all, this podcast is called Shamelessly Unapologetic and you just heard the word unapologetically in that phrase of my why. I am not afraid to be myself. You will be surprised at how many people are so afraid to be themselves, to put themselves out there, to be extra AF, to just unapologetically live their lives without a care in the world. So many people I know cannot do what I do. In fact, they scoff at what I do. They make fun of me. They think it's crazy that I like to overshare. And I don't feel bad about it. You know, if they lack the confidence and they're truly uncomfortable by their own personal lives to where they don't want to open up, well, that's on them. It's not on me. So that's why I have my why. I want other people to just unapologetically live their best bold lives, whether they're single or they're not single. That is my why. That's why I make these YouTube videos for other people, to inspire them, to be more confident, to be more bold, and that they're fucking badass. Seriously, that's that's why I make my YouTube videos. I will say if there's one thing I wish I had started earlier than 2017, and I had pushed my fears aside, and I kind of also wish I had shared this in the beginning when I was talking about why it took me so long to start a YouTube channel, but... Like I said, once I got started, I stayed consistent. I grew a thick skin and I just simply just didn't give a shit about what others saw to my channel. I think that was another setback for me at first because I was afraid. What if the people from BBYO are going to make fun of me for this? What if the people from my high school or middle school are going to find my videos and they're going to make fun of it? I was, what, 25 when I made my channel? I think I think that's when I made it, 25, 26. And I sadly cared what other people were thinking at that age. Who gives a shit if they make fun of me? It's my channel. I don't even talk to these people. I probably won't even know if they're making fun of me to begin with. So it really won't impact me any kind of way. So I just got over the fear and I started advertising my channel on my Instagram so I could let people know that, hey, 
here is my channel. If you're interested in what I upload, go ahead and subscribe and watch my videos. If not, hey, no big deal. So it did take me about a couple of weeks after I made my first video to start cross-promoting. And I'm so glad that I cross-promote because it really is nice for people who do know me who will reach out to me every now and then saying how much they enjoy my videos, how much my videos help them and that they inspire them. That's great. That's exactly what I want my videos to be doing. I don't make my videos for myself. It's called YouTube for a reason. I make YouTubes for other I make YouTubes. I make YouTube videos for other people. I literally do this for other people. I can't stress that enough. I don't know if you already watch my channel as you're a podcast listener, but if you're not, you totally should go to my channel because that is where you can see more insights about my life in terms of exploring living in San Francisco and Portland, and I touch a lot more about my dating life that maybe I don't touch here on the podcast. So please do subscribe to my channel, Alana Pinsky. Shameless plug right there. But yeah, so I upload every Monday. Sometimes I upload on Fridays. I call it bonus Friday because I like to surprise my audience with another video that they may not expect to get throughout the week. And that's always fun and exciting for my audience. And it kind of helps my watch time a little bit as well. So I just want to say that's kind of like the backstory of my YouTube channel, things that I really like about being on YouTube. I will say... If there's some things that I don't like about YouTube is that I think the comments can be really draining sometimes. Now, I am fortunate enough that I don't get that many mean and negative comments on my channel. I have filtered out a lot of keywords, mean keywords that is, so they don't make it to my comments page and so it gets filtered out and that's really nice because it really helps with my mental health a ton. But there are some comments that slip through the cracks where maybe those keywords weren't mentioned and basically I see this mean comment and it can bum me out but I think being on YouTube has really helped me gain a thick skin. And I think that's a great quality to have a thick skin. It helps you become stronger and it helps you take more power back in your life. Because for the longest time, I used to care so much about what people thought of me. And I think moving to San Francisco and also starting this YouTube channel is kind of what birthed that for me. And I'm so grateful for YouTube and everything that it's done for me in terms of my confidence. It's helped me show off a very creative side of me that I just simply didn't know that I had. I think another thing that sucks about YouTube is how much time it takes to make a video. Oh my God. I have to actually film a video tomorrow and I'm not even the least bit prepared for it, which is a problem because I always write out a script for my videos. That takes a lot of time. Every single week, I slave away on my weekends, sacrificing a good chunk of my time to make videos and film, upload, edit, 
and the editing can take hours upon hours upon hours. Sometimes I need pretty much all of my Sundays to edit. Sundays have typically been editing days for me. But if someone wants to see me, then I do my best to squeeze them in. But I always let people know like, hey, I have to edit a video or hey, I have to film a video. So first I get the filming or the editing done and then I make it my priority to have a social life. That's how I have to do it. When you start a YouTube channel, you really have to learn how to manage your time. I think it's laughable when people say, YouTube is easy work. All you do is film the video and you upload it. That's not how it works. You're completely forgetting the editing process. It's more than just sitting in front of a camera and talking. I don't always make videos where I'm sitting in front of a camera and talking. Sometimes I go out in the city and I have to break it up in several different days because I don't have the bandwidth to go to three to five places in one day. I just simply don't. It's way too time consuming. And there are just some days where I really just don't want to spend all my time filming. That can get very draining and it can lead to burnout. And I've definitely had YouTube burnout before. And it's it's not fun. I mean, I will say it's never gotten to the point where Alicia Marie had her burnout phase. I think it was what in 2018 where she like sat in front of a camera crying saying how tired and burnt out she was and that she needed a break. I can't remember how long she took that break for, but I just remember how much it really, really got to her. And I'm glad that YouTube hasn't gotten to that point for me, at least just yet. But there are days where I don't want to film. And there have been weeks where I have not uploaded videos. And I do my best to let my audience know when I'm not going to upload a video and it sucks when I don't upload a video on a day that I'm supposed to upload (sighs) missing an upload day makes me really really sad I feel like I will let my audience down if I don't upload a video even though they are so understanding I will say my subscribers are so amazing and so caring and understanding I'm so grateful for them But sometimes, again, I do feel guilty when I don't upload videos for them. And again, it is a rare case. It might happen like I'd say no more than like two to three times a year. But those days suck for me. I'm trying to think of what's another negative thing about YouTube. I think there's a lot of pressure that comes with YouTube. You have to be very, very careful with what you say and do on the platform. I've learned over the couple years, I've learned what words cannot be said on YouTube. So, for instance, I may curse in my videos, but I try to never let the F word be heard on my YouTube channel. I always have to bleep it out because certain curse words can trigger the algorithms. And once my videos become monetized, I don't want the word fuck to just demonetize my whole entire video because I said the word fuck. That would suck. Any words um, that are very triggering, you have to bleep those out. I'm not going to say them. I think you know what I'm talking about. Just anything that may sound problematic, you have to censor it out or else your videos get demonetized. And also, just the things that you say in general, whether it's not related to certain kinds of language, but it's 
content that you're saying that's coming out of your mouth. So if you say something that's racist or homophobic or something that's just very vile and mean and nasty that can be very hurtful for people or you do something that's incredibly problematic, people will be incredibly quick to cancel you. And here's the thing. I do not believe in cancel culture. I think it's very toxic. Now, what I will say, I think there are some people who don't deserve to have a platform. And this will kind of lead me into the whole some of the YouTube drama that has been going on throughout the past year. But I do believe there are some people who don't deserve to have a platform and that they should be off the platform. But I believe cancel culture also doesn't allow people to grow and learn. People are so quick to cancel somebody the second that they do something wrong and we don't find a way to forgive them and let them learn and really try to do better. I will say I have definitely been guilty of some cancel culture, but I only do it if I feel like this person truly doesn't deserve a platform because they're not changing and they're not taking action to be better. Shane Dawson is a perfect example of this. Last summer, when all the Shane Dawson racism stuff came out with the whole um, drama between him, Jeffree Star, and Tati Westbrook, along with the whole Willow Smith incident. Oh my God, that was disgusting. I'm not going to go into detail about it. You can look it up because, again, I don't want to trigger anybody. But a lot of that stuff really, really disappointed me. And it made me angry and frustrated because I loved Shane Dawson as a content creator. His videos made me laugh and smile. I always looked forward to his new documentary videos because I thought those were incredibly entertaining to watch. It felt like I was watching like a three-part series of a movie. Not a movie, but a documentary. You get what I mean. Those videos were really cool. And I loved the direction that Shane took with his videos. But at the same time, looking back, he really tried to make some of these most problematic YouTubers like Jake Paul and Tana Mojo um, to be heroes, to be good people when they are incredibly shitty people. I'm proud to say that not once have I ever supported Tana, Jake Paul, Jeffree Star. I have always gotten bad vibes from all of those content creators. I've never supported them. Have I seen any of their videos? Yes, of course. But I have never hit the subscribe button. I've never liked or disliked. I've never commented on their videos. I just really try to not give them any kind of engagement other than the watch time that I've given to them because I'm curious as to what kind of message they may have to say given in a specific video. So that was one that really bothered me a ton was the whole Shane Dawson thing of last year. I will say the one that really broke my heart the most was Jenna Marbles leaving the platform. Oh, guys, that was so hard for me. I love Jenna Marbles. Here's the thing. Jenna didn't do anything wrong. Now, when she first started making videos in like 2010, she did come out with some problematic content. And I grew up. Okay, I didn't grow up, but I was an OG subscriber. I 
I am an OG subscriber of Jenna Marvels. I've been subscribed to her channel since 2011. I love Jenna Marbles. I would look forward to her <laughs> uploading videos every single Wednesday like she would mention in all of her videos. Her videos literally just made me laugh and smile. They brought so much joy to my life and just simply made my Wednesdays that much better. But I did notice that she uploaded content that was pretty problematic. But at the same time, it totally went over my head. And I look back on this now and I think, yeah, this is really problematic. And Jenna knows it's problematic, which is why she took so many videos down. And she apologized for those videos years and years and years ago. And she truly did show change and growth. And she learned. And everyone says that Jenna is one of the nicest YouTubers that they've ever met. And I believe it. Jenna seems like such a kind individual that just wouldn't say anything mean or vicious at all. But people had to bring up those old videos again. And they were quick to try to cancel her. And it upset Jenna so much to the point where she had to upload a video saying, I'm leaving the platform. And I was sick to my stomach when I watched that video. I respect her decision, even though I was hurt by it. But, you know, it's her life. It's her mental health. And I want Jenna to be happy. But I can't lie. It felt like I lost a friend. One, especially one that died. It feels like she died and she's no longer uploading videos. That's how it felt. I'm trying to think of like other problematic events that have happened on YouTube. I mean, right now there's a thing going on with David Dobrik right now with the assault stuff that's been going on, making other members of previous vlog squad members uncomfortable by saying and doing certain things and uploading it. There was an incident with James Charles not too long ago. There was an incident about him flirting or trying to almost sex with underage boys that was very problematic and I was very disappointed in that because this is like the third time that this has happened with James and I actually really like James Charles but I get very fucking frustrated with him sometimes because sometimes he just doesn't learn he doesn't always get it but I'm not gonna cancel him over this but it does frustrate me he does frustrate me and I do not condone his actions and what he's done. And I truly want him to be better and to change. If I do see that James is still not going to change and grow, then maybe I will have to stop supporting James Charles. And that would suck because I really do like him. I think he is very funny and entertaining and I love his eyeshadow palette. I truly love that palette. I wear his eyeshadows all the time. And I would hate to just trash that perfectly good palette because of his actions. But at the end of the day, it would be really hypocritical of me to support somebody and use their makeup line um, if they were still doing problematic things. I'm sorry, what I meant to say is it would be really hypocritical of me to still use their makeup palette but cancel them on YouTube. Yeah, that's a problem. So... <sighs> That's why you really have to be careful on YouTube. Long story short, it's just the fact that you really have to watch what you're saying. You are constantly being watched. Everybody is going to know your every single move once you have a presence on social media. And that will include Instagram as well because your YouTube subscribers will eventually go to your Instagram account or any other social media that you have and follow you there. They're going to watch you. 
So you got to be careful with what you say and do online because it really could bite you in the ass. I would say those are the three biggest cons of being on YouTube. But guys, I wouldn't have it any other way. YouTube has seriously changed my life. And I am not sorry for oversharing on YouTube. I am not sorry for oversharing on this podcast. I will forever unapologetically be myself because I know my videos make such a difference in people's lives. And that makes me happy. All I wanted to do in my life was to help people. I thought I was going to do that by being a marriage and family therapist and those dreams fell through for me. But there are other ways that I can still help people. And YouTube is that. I hope one day I could make this my full-time job. I'm not there right now. As you know, my channel's still not monetized, but it's going to get monetized this year. And that is something I really do look forward to. But just because it's going to get monetized doesn't mean I'm going to quit my job that I literally just started just to make $2 a month. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> but one day, I, I do want to be a full-time content creator. I would love to have that freedom and that flexibility. And I'm proud of the work that I do. I am. It makes me happy. It gets me up every single morning and I always remember my why and that is why I make my YouTube videos and why I have a YouTube channel. I know this episode was a lot shorter than some of the other ones that I've uploaded but I just wanted to just talk about YouTube especially with like all the stuff that's been going on. It really just made me wanted to share my thoughts of like what it's like to be on the platform because I love being a content creator so so much and I I'm so glad that I got into this industry because I'm having the time of my life and having fun is all I've ever wanted for myself. And I hope you continue to find your passion that will allow you to live your best bold life to the point where you're having the time of your life. With that being said, I think I'm going to wrap up my episode here. Please do give my podcast a review in the Apple Store. That definitely really helps. Also, if you have anything that you want to share to the podcast, any shameless experience that you're unapologetic for, please email the podcast at shamelesslyunapologeticpodcast at gmail.com. And also don't forget to follow us on Instagram at shamelesslyunapologetic. And with that, I will see you next week with a brand new episode. Bye.